You're listening to Artistic Finance, show 93. On today's show, I chat with Broadway projection designer Kate Hevner. We discuss operating a design studio and putting employees on payroll rather than paying them as contractors. We talk about decoupling money from you, the person or worker or artist, and instead tying it to the job being completed. So if you're like me and you find yourself undercutting yourself to help people out, definitely listen to Kate's take on that. We also talk about investing in a retirement account, specifically a Roth IRA. Kate has the craziest story about Roth IRAs that you're ever going to hear. This is one of my favorite episodes ever just because of that story, which comes with a huge piece of advice for anyone opening a retirement account or for anybody who's helping somebody else open one of those accounts. We'll get started in just a minute, but before we do, I have a favor to ask. Now, this show is 100% free, and that's intentional because I feel so strongly about getting artists talking about and improving their finances. However, the show does come with operating costs. Now, those are paid for in part by patrons. If you are a patron, thank you for supporting me and the show. This show would not still be on the air without your support. If you're not a patron, but you find yourself appreciating these interviews and this content, I kindly ask this of you, and that is to pay a fee for listening. And that fee is to tell somebody about the show. You can do this in any way that you see fit. One way is to hit the share button on your phone and text it to a friend or share it on social media. Another way, if you're a projection designer, would be to project the Artistic Finance logo during a tech rehearsal. Or, even better, make it your test screen that goes up for hours while the system is getting loaded in. Whatever creative way or not creative way that you choose to tell somebody about the show, I thank you for doing it. And now, without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel, and today I welcome Kate Hevner to the show. Welcome, Kate. Hello. We're recording this February 14th, 2022. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And happy Valentine's Day, Kate. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Let's see. The Olympics are going on. The LA Rams just won the Super Bowl yesterday with a great halftime show by lots of people. Uh, and Russia seems ready to invade Ukraine. So that's a little bit of where we are in space and time. Kate, let's get to you. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. And we and we just had a great Super Bowl uh, halftime show, which was fantastic. Yeah. So in that regard, we're, we're in an interesting and great place in the world. Um, <laughs> my name is Kate Hevner. I work as a theatrical designer. I mostly design projections. I mostly work in live theater. But as we've recently had a pandemic, we've also explored some some other opportunities, uh, creating videos, corporate videos, pre-recorded, all all sorts of things that our skill sets can lean into. So exploring those as well. Nice, nice, fantastic. Um, All right, my favorite question here. (laughs) Can you describe your demographics for us? Sure. Um, Gender, female, age, 35, race, Caucasian, white, in a relationship, 
education. Uh, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts from Florida State University, graduate certificate from the Yale School of Drama or the Gethin Yale School of Drama, and a MFA in set design from NYU. Geographic background, uh, I'm currently living in Hell's Kitchen, New York. Um, I've been here for 15 years now. Um, and I grew up outside of DC. Amazing. Fantastic. All right. So we know about you, but what about your artistic personality? What is a live event that you like to experience as an audience member or a piece of art that you like? My very favorite thing to see is a great musical. There was one show that I got to see, Brief Encounter, in London, and I wound up seeing it three nights in a row. There was a moment where they were on a train station. They were in a train station. They, you, you hear the train and you see the train and the characters start to get anxious. They all start rattling their own teacups. And you know one of them is rattling the table because the train's coming in. And someone ran across with a sheet and pulled a sheet across the stage. And as it did, a projected train came across the stage. That image is what drew me to creating projection design because I, I loved the integration of the actor shaking the teacup and the actor shaking the table and the sound coming in, that video being so tactile and, and visceral. That was a play with music. I'm not sure it was a musical, but that's what draws me to the live performance is, is how all of the design can integrate so closely with the storytelling and with the visceral storytelling. My degree from Yale is actually in props design. And so I was a props master. Ultimately, what drew me to that was both that you know there there's so such joy in in craft learning the the hands-on skills to to create so many different things is wildly exciting i think what what drew me to that artistically was that it, it was crafting the things that the actors touch I'm, I'm talking too much about coffee cups perhaps because i'm drinking it but picking the teacup that will allow the actor to perform the scene or will feel right for the scene, right? It's sort of starting design in in that sort of way of, of what pieces we need versus an envelope down approach. That's totally great. And it's so funny you mentioned about the props because when you mentioned the teacup, I thought, well, that was a wildly specific thing to refer to on a giant stage of lots going on. And it also brings me up about that curtain drawing across the stage with the train. That sounds incredible. And it reminds me of the opening of Music Man, Rock Island, where I've seen that show 10 times. Anytime I'm about to see it, I'm thinking, oh, that long, boring Rock Island to start the show. Like, it's just people sitting there. And then every time I see it, it's so good because you have the music and the people and all the actors on the stage doing the exact same thing, sort of like rattling their own teacups, bouncing in time with the music. Put that all together along with like a projection of a scenery going by in the background. The train isn't actually shaking, but in that three long moments, it's all working. I just, I just love, I love what you said and also about the layering of how, how many people working together it takes to make something like that. I'm excited to see Music Man in the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure what I'm going to get to, but I will. We loved it. I absolutely loved everything about it. So now onto your financial personality, Kate. Are you bad or good with money? I, I think I'm pretty decent with money. I've figured out how to earn money in this industry, which is not predictable, and to pay myself and to pay people. And I think pay I, I think pay people well. I, I if if not well, I'm not ashamed by uh, how I pay people, at least. 
I think I pay people well. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I'm just on a, a show and they gave us our budget and I reworked it so many times to get the electricians up to $30 an hour just because like all the other crews, I think we're doing 23, 22. And I was just like, I'm sorry, guys, it has to be at 30. So we just kept reworking, reworking everything. And, and we did it. Um, but that's that's what I, I want to at least feel good about it if it's not perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I've been saying a lot to theaters is like we we can do this. We just have to be totally transparent about like what tell me all of the numbers that we have to play with and then let's move some things around because it might not be how you had previously allocated it but if you're willing to work with me we can get this to a spot that we're we're happy with and and some theaters are doing really really great jobs of us not having to have that conversation because they're on top of it and you know it some some are coming into it with models that have been in place for a while that might need some tweaking. I'm thinking I got an email. We did an episode on wage transparency. Somebody from a theater that everybody would know emailed me very upset. They're very aware of the situation and they're very aware that they're not paying up to par or whatever that is. But anyway. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting. It's we, I mean, we can talk about the pandemic for hours for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that I am very grateful to a group of friends and colleagues Um you know, with all the PPP and all of that, you know, it it really very quickly became, we have to let go of any privacy or shame or any of this, because we don't know how to make sure that we aren't breaking laws, right? (laughs) Like we don't know how to make sure we can stay financially afloat for the next six months. So we've got to drop anything else and just be super honest about what's going on so that we can help each other solve this. And I'm so grateful for my groups for being willing just to have those very honest, transparent, vulnerable conversations so that we could figure out what we were doing. You know, during the pandemic, I set up, set myself up being able to pay payroll, totally revamped how I was doing all of my accounting. A big part of that was to make sure that we could qualify for PPP loans, but also like making sure that everything was above board. I, I don't recommend another pandemic to get people into that situation. However, um, that that was one thing that w- is a total transformation of how I work now versus how I was working before. And I think there's so many layers to that. And you even mentioned it earlier. You said, well, I do projections and theater, but it's pandemic. And, and that is one good thing that has come out of it is that designers and workers at any level of theater, certainly there's pretension in there, but at every single level, Broadway down, everybody has is totally understanding when people are doing side hustles and doing other things and doing things that they pre-pandemic never thought they would be doing and then suddenly they are. Pretty much everybody gets it. That's happened in with finances, yeah, too. Absolutely. And I'm so happy that you have your group of people that can drop all that and, and have the honest, real conversation because that practical conversation, pragmatic conversation is what needs to happen. Absolutely. I think also having that conversation about wages as well, right? Because I have a text thread with a few other projection designers and frequently we're like, what is your minimum rate for this job? Projection, I think too, is specifically, sometimes I think we relate a lot to costumes in this way, but we run our own shops. Whereas, you know, scenery contracts out or has their own scene shop, but we're running our own shops out of our own studios. So, you know, there's the job description of the assistant title of assistant has nothing to do with the roles that we're hiring. Right. 
we're, we're hiring animators. It, it's not, it, it's not a better than worse than it's just, we're hiring a wide range of skilled labor, animators, editors, um, people who can film, you know, all over the place. And especially since the pandemic, uh, a lot of people with those skill sets realize that they can work in a whole bunch of other fields. And a lot of people have left the field and a lot of people want to come back to theater, but the, the wage difference is really, really apparent at the moment. It, it's good to have people to continue to have this conversation with to make sure that we're all trying to do the right thing. And I'm super happy when I see, because I joined LinkedIn recently, I've seen a lot of posts on there that make me really happy. And it's like actors and people in the theater that say, hey, you know, a year ago I took this job thinking blah, blah, blah. And now I'm happy to go full time with them or I'm happy to continue that. And maybe I'll get back to theater, but we're all reading through the lines. They're not going back to theater, but they're super happy and I'm super happy for them. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. You, you mentioned the phrase side hustle and I'll, I'll push back on it a little bit artistically just because I think, you know, one of the things that I've always loved about working in theater is give it a try because if you hate it, you know, our contracts have ends. So unlike signing up for a full-time job where you're signing, you know, a three or a five-year contract, you know, you can try a show and then you can say, golly gee, this is not my journey and I will not be taking this one again. Versus like a side hustle per se, which sort of lends itself to the idea that it's not what you want to be doing, but it's what you're doing to make it work. Like, what if that actually permits a quality of life? You know, taking the the corporate job for a few weeks a year is what allows you to take the vacation and the job that is your heart and or to have weekends because because we've we've, we discovered those those are pretty great (laughs) oh man kate you're making (laughs) you're making me ponder again everything (laughs) (laughs) kidding kidding okay so let's go back growing up did you have a good financial example to learn from i i don't think i had a clue what was going on frankly my family was well off you know my my father was a professor um we were fine yeah it, it was never something i thought about growing up um, very candidly. It definitely was once I got to college, it was definitely, you need to figure out how to do this. There, there was a bit of an eye opening. Um, I was fortunate enough and made the choice to go to Florida state where I could go, um, with a full ride and my living expenses were all paid for by the university or various scholarships. So that, that was definitely a choice that I made to go to the school that would do that for me because I knew that there wasn't other support coming. I knew that that was going to free me up for what were probable loans coming for grad school. I already sort of knew that I wanted, at the time I was thinking I was going into acting, I I was looking at those grad schools for acting and the possible loans coming from that. So I was pre-planning for that a little bit. And I did wind up getting some loans to to get through uh, Yale and NYU. I mean, Kate, I'm learning so much about you. Not only did I learn you were a prop master, now I know you were an actor. More a singer. We can talk about acapella singing later if you'd like, but. Oh my gosh. Okay. Everything I know about acapella singing is from those movies about acapella singers and The Office. So good. (laughs) So you mentioned that you took some loans for Yale and NYU. What did your finances look like when you started your career? I was basically at zero. Probably, I think I had like $70,000 of student loans coming out of school which seems so bonkers to say out loud. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad or, or where on the spectrum that lands. I don't know that there is a good or bad for that. But yeah, I came out with about $70,000 in student loans. I didn't have a savings account. 
I mostly had my credit card balance paid off during that first year, but I think I maybe didn't all the time. We're, we're owed money so frequently. And I remember my first couple of years out, like I, I was very fortunate. I hopped right into some uh, Broadway associate work. So I, I was making money pretty quickly out of school, which I was really lucky for. I just remember being like, how am I owed $9,000 right now? I don't have $9,000. How am I owed $9,000? Boy, things would be a little, would be a lot easier. And I wouldn't be looking at my credit card bill or my checking account, wondering why it's empty if I wasn't owed $9,000 right now. And like getting used to that, just like that the general operating procedure would be that I would have five to $10,000 of outstanding invoices that were late was frustrating (laughs) and something I had to get used to and something that I don't, hasn't necessarily shifted. The 70,000, I'll just comment on that, that you're right, there is no right number, but we've had people up to 200,000 and then less than that. So, and also it's funny, you said I started at zero, but to me, it sounded like you started at negative (laughs) 70,000. I I had to, I think for my mental health, I had to compartmentalize it differently. If, If I was walking around sort of thinking that way, I would have been sad. Yeah. I I think that I sort of had to be in somewhat of denial of it because you could also like defer it for a couple of weeks, right? Or there were a couple of months you could defer it. So I was just sort of like, I can't actually process what this means because, and you know, first jobs, if you're having a conversation about a design fee being $175, literally, right? Like, or a $104 Metro card, then I don't know how you process that other number, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's not meditate on that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So today, do you worry or think about money on a daily basis? I do, definitely. Mostly good ways. I mentioned it earlier, but now I have W-2 employees and I have people on payroll and I have to pay them. I'm not willing to not pay them. I have to make sure that my studio is taking in enough money to ensure not only, you know, this, this is probably the, my, my next step in financial, um, how I can think about finances. Right. But like, I can think like my, my checking account can be a little low for like three extra days because I know the invoice is coming on Monday, but there's no way I'm not going to run payroll for my employees. Right. Making sure that I'm crafting everything around that my studio can pay its bills in that way is helpful. And having the company has allowed me to think about finances in a way that are less personal. So when we're talking about that design job for $175, right? Like if somebody was offering me $175 to do something, but they're like, but can we, it'll be fun. We'll do this. And I'm like, oh, but I personally maybe want to do this for some reason. But when I look at it in the structure of my company, I'm like, we can't, there's no way that we can put those hours in. It sort of like depersonalizes it in a way that pops, like I personally should be able to do for myself, but I will use this as a crutch to be able to make sure that I'm making, you know, sort of sound financial decisions in that way. Kate, that is amazing. And now I'm thinking about that because I, for years have joked that my wife is good with numbers and money (laughs) and, and talking with people and contracts and all that. And I, always say like I should let all my jobs go through her and so if it comes to her desk and she says $175 absolutely not denied then I don't take it 
we're laughing about it right now, but I honestly think that would help me. I always think, oh, I'm being hired. I never think about Ethan Stimel lighting design taking the gig and being able to support the overhead because I just figure out my own personal finances, which in a way are the same thing. Oh my gosh, Kate, this is so... Maybe I need to really do this seriously because that would force me to get into that mindset that, oh, I'm so glad I'm talking to you. <laughs> I recommend it so much. Because that that's the other thing that we come across on this show is that money is so emotional. The people that succeed with it are the people that get the emotion out. Because you can still have those emotions just as long as it's not directly accessing your finances. <laughs> totally. We talked about that student loan debt. Do you still have that today? I do not. Amazing. Um, and how long did it take you to pay pay off? I think it took about five years. I was able, I like I mentioned earlier, I jumped very quickly into doing some Broadway associate work that wound up paying really well. And I was really fortunate through that. I specifically won like a unicorn job that allowed me to, over the course of like a year and a half, my finances sort of flipped. Which was great. What was the unicorn job? I, I, I had a design for um, a cruise line that wound up running a few months past what anyone expected it to. Fantastic. Um, do you have any other debt at the moment, like mortgage or anything else? I have a mortgage. Oh, congratulations, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And I refinanced it. April 2020. Amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, cool. Um, throughout your life, and now we've gotten into your design studio versus your life. So it, there's blend over here, I think. Have you used a budget throughout your life? I haven't. And that's that's where when you say, are you good with money? And I'm like, oh, you know, I love the idea of a budget. I haven't found a way yet to make it make sense with the way that our income works. I know what my operating costs are. So I, I know like what my budget of functioning is, but past that, I haven't really solved like a, this is what this takes. And I think part of it's just like, we don't have a reliable in. So budgeting for any sort of reliable in is just has never, I haven't been able to figure out a way to make it make sense. And someone's going to listen to this and then call me and say, here's my Google sheet, please start using this. And, and also, you know, sometimes you work, sometimes you work on jobs that necessitate you spending more money, like maybe not necessitate, but the time that you're, you know, stuck in Italy for three weeks, boy, you're eating out every night. <laughs> you can't talk yourself out of it. Right. Like, so also the expenses change based on that. Like I know my studio cost, I know my personal, you know, aforementioned mortgage. I know the things that won't change, but that's where I am in relation to budget. That sounds good to me. Because <laughs> um, something recently I've learned, the budget is really just, it's the starting point and it's to make you aware. Um, and if you can stick with it, cool, that's going to benefit you because you're more aware of it. In a way, it's like a one-time thing of like, let's figure it out, which seems like you already have that sort of in your head. Yeah, I, I keep, and I keep, I use a software called Wave, um, which is essentially a simplified QuickBooks. So at any given point, I know exactly what's going on. It's the extra step of writing the projection, the future projection that is not the most solid. Totally, totally. Okay, Wave, I'm going to have to check that out because I do everything on an Excel sheet. Oh, okay. We got we to gotta bump out of that. <laughs> yeah, that's no. No. I know. Wave, Wave is a good, I, I mentioned the, the texting chain. Um, 
many are, are graduating from wave and I'm sort of clutching onto it. It doesn't run payroll in New Jersey. So if that's something you need to do is run payroll in New Jersey, it's not your best choice, but it's a really great intro and pretty intuitive. I think Gusto is another one that's sort of similar. Simplified and intuitive, whereas QuickBooks is a little bit of a learning curve. Got it. Okay. And also you're making me think, because I don't have to hire assistants that often, but now I'm thinking, should I go the W-2 route? So that's also now in my brain too. Well, legally, that that's what's tricky is legally the answer is yes. And our industry circumvents that frequently. There, there are a few things ticks that you have to hit if you want to pay someone on a 1099. And one of them is you can't require someone to be in a specific location at a specific time. Um, And one of them is they cannot be doing the business of your business, essentially. If I were to hire a plumber, I could pay them in a 1099 capacity because my design company has no expertise or does not sell plumbing. But hiring assistants is right up our alley of the thing that we're literally producing, right? So technically we should be doing it. We should never be using 1099s. And I have colleagues who no one has intentionally tried to damage anyone, right? But like, you know, somebody accidentally claimed them on unemployment and then they've gotten pinged and it comes back where the the ruling is you should have been using a W-2 and now congratulations, you owe the back taxes for it. it. It is the right answer. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. So Ethan, self-reflection, look into that. N- another thing is that Ken Billington, he has a studio. And one of the takeaways from his conversation I noticed was that he pays everybody on a 1099, which I was surprised at because I just assumed they'd all be W-2. He said, yeah, I pay them all 1099. And then every once in a while, the IRS catches up to me and I have to go back and sort of like pay the taxes when people should have been W-2 which I thought was like a hilarious way to do, to do it, but it works for him. <laughs> Listen, there, I can only speak to my own personal strategy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, what is a really good financial thing that you've done that maybe you could share with other people so that maybe they could do it? This is embarrassing to admit, but I'm sure this has come up. Has anyone said invest in your Roth IRA? Are you serious? Wait, wait for it. Please, wait, elaborate, so, elaborate. So that that's something that, every, like I had heard out of school, I had heard for years, everyone was like, invest in your, like put money in your Roth, put money in your IRA, like do this, do this, do this. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I a little don't understand why I'm doing this, but I'm doing it. No one had told me the second half of that sentence, which is once it's in your IRA, it is an investment account that you can invest. So for years, I just had money sitting in an IRA like a savings account. And I was like, literally, why am I doing, I don't understand. I could at least be having it in a savings account and get a few pennies every couple of months. Like, so, so that is, I offer up that second half of the sentence, which is once you have your IRA, it's an investment account and you can invest it. And golly gee, I wish anyone had said that. Oh my gosh. Okay. I am dying here. I am dying. That is, there is so much into that. Okay. First off, On this show, every single episode, we say, do you have a Roth IRA? If not, open one up right now, automate those payments. And then we also have another saying, if you're not investing, you're dying. Well, there you go. But you have to combine them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So now I have to make sure that when we're saying open a Roth IRA and invest that money, that is such a really good point because I think somebody else did that same thing where they weren't investing it. Okay. I didn't know you could. I had no idea. 
it was years. I think it was five years. Okay, that... And I regret all of the money that I lost. I'm not actually that upset because another thing that we talk about on this show is the important thing about saving for retirement is that you're setting money aside. So yes, that is a bummer that you went five years not you know, growing that money, but you at least were putting it aside, which is way better than not putting anything aside. I'm only half sad for you. Like, that's a bummer, <laughs> but you totally caught up eventually. It's a half lesson. Okay, so... What is a bad financial thing you've done that maybe you could share with us so others can not do it? Every once in a while, I just beat myself up over a financial choice and I'm, I'm working on not doing that. And, and things like I, I invested in a hard drive for my studio and like a really, really good network hard drive for my studio, like, you know, $2,500 or something. It's caused a whole bunch of problems and I'm going to have to replace it. And like, I am beating myself up over this and I'm like, the hours, like that could have equated to this many hours. And that's like half of a show or like, you know, whatever that X percentage of X job that went, perhaps this is anti-budgeting, right? But like, I'm trying to release that because in this world where we don't work, we, we don't have, a you know, the steady trackable income stream like and sometimes we we make some financial maybe not the best choices and then sometimes a unicorn job comes along and permits it and it's just sort of part of the flow of what we do and it's fine and sometimes apple just gives you a new laptop if you take it to the genius bar enough times so really it balances out all right what did we learn today just keep taking things to the genius bar and eventually maybe they'll give you a note i didn't buy a laptop for like nine years um <laughs> I think we know the answer to this, but maybe you can explain a little bit more. Do you have an entity LLC corporation? I, I have an S corp. I, I set it up when I realized that I was, it, it was before I went to W2, but I set it up when I was paying out. Uh, I, I had one large corporate job where over the course of, I think, two months, I was paying out about $40,000 in assistant fees. I was like, I cannot run this through. I cannot run this through my person. In that corporation, I assume you work that everything you do runs through your corporation. How much 1099 versus W-2 income are you getting? Very little W-2. Um, I taught, if I teach, that'll be W-2 income. Everything else is running through my company. When you do your personal taxes, are you doing the company taxes at the same time or are those separate? Yeah, I have a... Um, I work with the associates and they do it. I just, I've already done mine. I did mine last week. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I like to get it done early. And then I still get forms for weeks after that I just keep sending and then I feel guilty. But um, yeah, they, they do it all at the same time, which is delightful. Uh, the associates, is that Trudy Durant? I work with Lorraine. Lorraine. Lorraine and Doreen. Fantastic. Okay, so now let's talk about your retirement plan. So we know you have a Roth IRA. <laughs> that is invested. <laughs> First of all, do you have a retirement plan? And then what are all the parts that make it up? I, I have my IRA and then the union pension. I, I'm fully vested in USA 29's pension. That's about, that's where we are. Okay. All right. I love that. They're very simple, actually. <laughs> Outside of your retirement, do you have any investments or invest anywhere? I, I have some, some in Merrill Lynch. I, I recently inherited, a, we don't prefer we didn't inherit, right? So I, I recently inherited a few brokerage accounts that still exist. And then I have a small Robinhood account, which is fun. And I have a, a small uh, Coinbase account, which is 
also fun. Yeah, I, I think all of those sort of go into the uh, future retirement pile, specifically the one from my grandfather. I try and just ignore that it exists. Also, for people listening in the future, Coinbase had an awesome Super Bowl commercial. I didn't see it. Oh, it was just a QR code bouncing around the screen like a screensaver for like 15 seconds, which is an eternity (laughs) in Super Bowl advertising time. That's millions of dollars. I love that. I want to talk about the inheriting thing. Yes, we always don't want to inherit. I've never inherited a retirement account. When you get that, can you keep it? as a retirement account or do you have to pull it out um, and move it somewhere else? I don't know if I had to. Um, I did. I I think like the taxable rates between someone who's retired and in their 90s versus someone who's working are very different. The the very strongly handed advice was, this is what you're doing. And I don't know if I legally was required to or not, but it was pretty much great. This is what you're doing. So I did that. Nice. Okay. At the advice of your accountant? Um, I, I think I consulted with them, but Merrill Lynch was, because you have to get it into your name, right? So I think the process of doing it was pretty much, and you are putting it in this account. This is how this works. I had a friend who he inherited something and he had to withdraw like certain amounts on a schedule. So I think if if you had just transferred it out, you probably didn't have to deal with any of that, which to me seems easier. It, this I can't really speak to enough. I think this chunk was small enough that we could just sort of do it instead of like having to do a on a schedule. Like it it went under the bar or whatever. Amazing. All right, new question I've been asking people: Do you give to charity? I do. I do. I give financially. Also, I like giving time a little bit more. <laughs> like I, I like one of the things that I do every year is um, work with uh, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And we do a myriad of things, but specifically we work on Broadway Bears. One of the the most rewarding things that happened during the pandemic was getting to work on the the Broadway Bears, the tune in. Um, it was called Zoom In and we haven't had coffee yet. Um, so <laughs> working on Broadway Bears Zoom In, it, it's, it is always weeks of work, but specifically that was weeks and weeks and weeks of work. Um, putting that together and getting to be part of the crafting of it. And even more so than with a live event, but being able to craft that and then both create a space for the community to come together in a time where we were not able to in so many ways. And then also to raise as much money as we were through that event was rewarding. And I I think like I can give financially, but also I think like the return on those hours is so much greater than I could afford to do. And we have such incredibly specialized skills. We can do that. So, so I both give financially, but also I'm more proud of the time that I can give. I love it. I love it. What is some financial advice that you can give to somebody that's starting out in their career now, whether it's as a projection designer or prop master or singer actor (laughs) and, or, what is something that you wish you had known when you started out? Invest your IRA. Specifically um, Roth IRA. Specifically your Roth IRA. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I have a... I mean, I, I think invest your Roth IRA is beautiful. And I also think that unmarrying your emotions from your paycheck or unmarrying the personal 
quality. Don't connect yourself to the paycheck, connect sort of the work. I, I think that, that that truly is the the thing that's been most helpful is is being able to disconnect. Um it sounds nice when I say it, right? It's not it's not perfect, but using that crutch, even if if you don't have a a company legally recognized company thinking about money that way, you know, it's it's not personal. It's not not being a good friend. It's it's literally hours per you know, if, if you're, if you're spending more at dinner at the job, than the job is paying, then it's, you, you just, you can't do that. Right. Unless it, it is a legitimate and recognized uh, time donation for charity, in which case I encourage it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Is there any sort of book or resource that has helped you financially? I'm really lucky to have an amazing network of friends and colleagues who we bounce things back and forth. Yeah. I agree. I think that's so important. And of course, that's the whole point of the show, because these aren't conversations that people always want to have, that we always should be having. So yeah, I think that's always the go-to is who's around you and specifically who's around you that's not doing so badly. <laughs> In theater, there there is we do have a habit, right, of being like, but our jobs are so very different than everyone else's jobs. And I, I don't know that that's 100% true, especially in this um, regard, but I still think so much of advice is based on getting a paycheck every two weeks, right? Like even when we live in a country where I can't quote exactly the percent, but so many people are working, um, quote freelance, I I haven't seen the financial advice that really resonates with the way that our jobs work. In 2020, 60 million people were freelancing in the United States. That's a good number. Uh, That's at at least 25% of the population. That's a huge amount. I didn't realize that 60 million people should be listening to this show. Have we found a market for you? Yeah. No, and I'm sure I'm speaking like, you know, you're you're now going to get emails of people being like, have you not read the past 10 years of financial books? They're all about this. They just they just haven't migrated into my sphere of whatever. If there's anybody listening right now and they want to go into a career in the arts, perhaps projection design, they're drawn toward it artistically, but they're also really drawn toward a 40-hour work week and a steady paycheck. Is there any encouragement you can give them about becoming a projection designer or perhaps words of caution? I would love to say things like, we came into an industry that was challenging and we fixed it and now it's all better. And now there's no problem. And of course you can work a 40-hour work week. I wish that I could offer that statement. I, I don't know. I mean, only from just purely show schedules, like in the most radical models that I've seen in theaters, theaters still do shows at night, right? So you will still see a preview at night. I I don't know a model right now that permits totally crafting as a designer theater where you can have your nights off. I think there are ways to craft it where you can spend a lot of time in the studio and then, you know, it's, it's tricky you know, maybe, maybe there are studio jobs that can facilitate more of that. I, I I think it'll take some experimentation. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, you mentioned a lot of the financial advice out there is for people getting a paycheck every two weeks. I 100% agree again, why we're having this, this conversation is for freelancers to chat. Something that I've learned, I didn't know about finances. I still don't know about finances artists are people too. And the way our finances work, even though we're freelance and it's different, it 
works the exact same way that it does for everybody else. Yeah, okay, a 401k might be different from somebody with a steady paycheck, but the IRA is the same thing as a 401k. Are we really different? And the answer is no. And finances are the same no matter who you are. And and I'll I'll say that I think that that is huge and it, it yes, advice for crafting a budget with a paycheck every 2 weeks is perhaps not applicable. But I think this goes similarly to how I think about like my corporation as I take in jobs, right? It, it it doesn't work differently because you're an artist. You still have to pay your bills and you still have to pay your team and you still like like that system still functions like anything else. And you know, you you might be able to take a higher paying job to facilitate a lower paying job, but you have to really consciously do that type of thing um, because those numbers work exactly the same. And I think we have the impulse to say like, but I'm an artist, so this doesn't count or, but I'm an artist. So these rules don't apply. And that's, that's not true because we all really like eating food. At least I really like eating food. So as long as I enjoy, you know, eating food, then we're going to need to follow those rules to some degree. That is awesome. And Kate, I didn't realize we had so much in common. I too like to eat food. What? For real, for real. (laughs) We'll we'll do that. Amazing. Um, All right. Last question for you. Where can people connect with you if you want them to? And I'll phrase it this way, actually two different ways. Where can fans of yours connect with you? And if somebody wants to hire you for the next Broadway show, where can they connect with you? Oh, yeah. I like both of those. Uh, My website is katedesign.com. And my Instagram handle, perchance more for the fans, is just my name, Kate Hevner. That's C-A-I-T-E-H-E-V-N-E-R. Kate Hevner, the one, the only. Thank you so much for spending time with me today and for sharing all this. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. It's so good to hang out. That's it for this week's episode. My biggest takeaway is the idea to separate you from the money being charged for the job. Yes, you might be willing to take less to complete a project because you can work it in your lifestyle. However, as a business, that's not sustainable. And all artists are businesses. The overhead has to get paid. So rather than make it work, let the producer know what the job costs. And they can adjust the budget or they can plan accordingly. This is easier said than done because producers will go to the next person in line. But we as artists have to communicate what the cost of creating is, even if it means passing along jobs to others who will do it for less. It's short-term pain in exchange for a sustainable career. My other big takeaway from talking with Kate was to invest the money in your retirement account. Remember, if you aren't investing, you're dying. I was so shocked when Kate said she went five years just saving the money without investing it. But she was saving and better late than never. What do you think about today's chat? Did you know that you had to invest money that goes into a retirement account? And do you view money for a job as separate from you and see it as a business payment? Let me and Kate know by commenting on the LinkedIn post I'll make for this episode. I'm on LinkedIn with my name, Ethan Steimel. If you're one of the billion creatives that's not on LinkedIn, you can also engage with Artistic Finance on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Though, to be real with you, I'm not as active on those platforms. A shout out to John DeMoose over at City Theatrical. 
He suggested having Kate as a guest, which is why we had this awesome episode. So thank you, John. A shout out to our listeners in Sweden. Our patron Cynthia gave me a bit of flack for never giving a shout out to those in Sweden. So if you're listening from the land of ABBA, IKEA, and Spotify, many thanks for being with us. Speaking of listeners from outside the USA, we do not have any international patrons. If you're listening from outside the U.S. border, please consider becoming a patron. Now this week over on Patreon is an update about the painting we commissioned as part of our 6K investing special. The piece is complete and is now hanging in our apartment. It was created by Brooklyn artist Brett Slater, who insisted on giving it to us as a gift, which defeated the purpose of us using it as an investment. Now, if you aren't a patron, you can still see photos of the painting along with Brett and me. I will put a link to that in the show notes. Patrons can access the full story, which spans the course of a year. It includes progress photos, and you can find out what we actually ended up paying for the painting. Paying being in air quotes. To become a patron, you can join for as little as $3 a month. You get a private podcast feed and early releases of the episodes. Now, I will admit that when I go into tech rehearsals, the early releases become not so early. But you will get them, and all patrons get the outtakes from every interview, including those from today's chat, which, I'll be frank, this week's outtakes are only three minutes long. But they include me saying a naughty, naughty word because I misunderstood something Kate was saying. So to hear my potty mouth and get the update about Brett's painting, join up at patreon.com slash artistic finance. Patreon is the best way to support me, but there is, of course, the option to tell somebody about the show. If you're a projection designer, please do throw up my logo at whatever venue you happen to be at. Specifically, if anyone has connections over at Harry Potter or Wicked, please convince the projection crew to throw up the artistic finance logo and send me a photo. Now, spoiler alert here for Harry Potter and for Wicked. So for Harry Potter, let's just say some content shows up on a screen at intermission. Wouldn't it be cool, instead of it saying what it says, maybe it could just be the Artistic Finance logo? Or, over at Wicked, spoiler alert here, instead of flying monkeys, perhaps Artistic Finance logos find their way floating around the theater? Just a couple ideas that if they happened would let me figuratively die happy. If you aren't ready to do that because you would 100% guaranteed lose your job, you can also support me by visiting the Artistic Finance gift shop, which has all sorts of gear. Please consider getting a phone cover, a t-shirt, or a sticker. As always, thank you for listening. If you're this far in, you are a super listener. And a special thank you to all our patrons. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.